helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. In today's show, Michael will be using the biblical text in Genesis 22 as a backdrop to his topic, Isaac, the Traumatized Son, Part 3, Questions and Answers. This show will answer questions asked by the listeners about Part 1 and 2. If you are new to this show, we're on the air every Monday at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about our not-for-profit organization by going to elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or by calling 1-877-544-3546. Elim is a professional counseling organization that provides professional counseling from a Christian perspective. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Let's go right into today's show. I want to thank you for your comments and debate about the first two shows that we did on Isaac the Traumatized Son Part 1 and 2. These two shows have resulted in a number of emails and phone calls to the extent where I have decided to dedicate this show to answer some of the comments that listeners made about the two shows, the part one and the two. We want to thank those of you who praised the show and found the take that we took of this show to be very enlightening and uplifting. The vast majority of the comments were of this nature. But we also want to thank those of you who called in who were critical of the psychological interpretation of the text because it has opened up a door for us to respond to some of those disagreements of how the text was interpreted. We believe this is essential because it is important for us to demonstrate that the psychological views we take do not violate scriptural principles or contradict sound interpretation of the biblical narrative used in the last two shows. Those of you who listen will remember that we use the text from Genesis 22 verse 1 to 19 to discuss the topic, Isaac the Traumatized Son. The central theme of the contending feedback that we have received has to do with the fact that many people are taking issue with the notion that Isaac could be traumatized by Abraham's action. After all, Abraham was doing what God wanted him to do. He was being obedient to God. So the contenders are saying, how could Isaac then be traumatized by his father who was merely following what God had commanded him to do. So we're going to be looking at that as we go through this show today. I'm going to be reading some of the, some of the, uh, contending, uh, information, contending questions that we got or comments that we got from listeners. As supporting evidence, I will be using scripture, other scriptures to 
point to the fact that what we are saying is in fact uh, backed up by scripture. But I also want to look at psychological, psychological and medical literature as supporting evidence for the points that we will be used to defend the issue of Isaac's trauma. So let me go to the text first of all to read a po- read portions of the text just to uh, give a kind of backdrop to what we are talking about when we talk about the trauma of Isaac. So in Genesis 22, I'm going to not read the entire 19 verses. In Genesis 22, the, the story that we are focusing on or the section of the narrative that we are focusing on is from verse 1 to verse 19. But I'm just going to be reading portions of that and then describe uh, what is happening in other sections of the text in the interest of time. So the, the chapter begins with God telling Abraham to offer his only son as a sacrifice. And then Abraham and Isaac set out on a three-day journey to the place where Isaac will be offered as a sacrifice. He would be first killed by his father on an altar and then burnt as a burnt offering, as a sacrifice to God. So we have in verse 3 that Abraham rose up early, we are told, and then he packed the the wood for the fire and the knife, and he set out with his son Isaac and two other young men to travel to this place. And the distance, the journey took a full three days. So they're traveling for three days to this place where this brutal sacrifice is supposed to take place. But as they as they journeyed to near where the sacrifice was supposed to be offered, Isaac became suspicious and started wondering, where is the lamb that is going to be offered? Usually when we offer sacrifice, there is a lamb that we take with us. And this lamb is what would be offered to God as a sacrifice. So Isaac is now beginning to ask a question and In verse 22, verse 6, Isaac asked his father, and I'll read uh, verse 6 and 7. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And we skip down to verse 9, and the story gets even more more serious, because now in verse 9 we read, And they came to the place which God had told him off. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. 
that's verse 10 and verse 11 reads, And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God. So there we have the drama playing out ahead of us. And I think many of us read this story. And at that point where the, Abra- where the angel intervenes, we breathe a sigh of relief. And we go to this place of resolution where we think the, the story has resolved itself and everything is going back to normal. But in the two shows that we did, we said that Abraham... Abraham's action may have traumatized his son Isaac. And we looked at evidence, we gave evidence in those two shows as to why we think that Isaac was traumatized. But let us uh, think about this text for a moment, what it must have been like for Abraham the father having this command from God to, to slay his son and traveling three days in agony, knowing very well that this place that he was taking his son to was this place where his son was about to be killed. How would you feel as a father in that situation? How would you feel knowing that every day you're getting closer to that day when you are going to take the life of your son the son that you love so much. So I think we read the text and we go to the spiritual interpretation to say Isaac was a type of Christ and Abraham is a type of God the Father and Isaac is similar to to, to Jesus, the Son of God, and we look at it from the spiritual interpretation. But I find that by doing so, we are missing some of the human element of the text, and we need to think about what this must have been like for father and son after this incident, and even during this incident. Soren Kierkegaard, a philosopher, was fascinated by this story, and he said a number of things about this incident. He actually wrote a a book that's called In Fear and Trembling, and he talked about the fact that we tend to look at this story from the spiritual implications only and we tend to miss the deeper the deeper meaning the deeper the deeper significance of this text or what it must have been like for the people involved in the narrative and he said that we must look into the eyes of into the face of Abraham and Isaac as we read this text and put ourselves in their shoes and see what it would be like for us if we were placed in this situation and so as we think about this today think of what it would have been like for Isaac the son 
as he is on that altar. The, the, the text tells us that he was bound, he, he was tied up. And the only reason you would tie up someone is to prevent them from escape. The animal, as the animal was placed on the altar, the animal was tied up. If the animal isn't, wasn't tied up, then the animal would run away. So Isaac, in the, in the place of the animal that was supposed to be sacrificed, is actually tied up by his father. I want you to think about what it must have been like for Isaac to be restrained and tied up by his father, and what it must have been like for him as he saw his father raise that knife in his hand and realize that he was about to become a human sacrifice. And in the show, I said that Isaac must have been kicking and screaming, and we got some comments about that. But let me start with one comment that we got from a listener by the name of Sharon. And Sharon wrote, Michael, I generally like your podcast, but I must disagree with you in how you presented the last show, Isaac the Traumatized Son. You made it sound as if Abraham did something wrong by following what God had required him to do namely to sacrifice Isaac. It was a test by God, and Abraham passed the test in flying colors. If Abraham is obeying obeying God, it can never have traumatized Isaac. Well, let me first of all say thank you very much, Sharon, for this comment that you have made. And I think the, the, the point that you are raising is a very valid point because uh, we often think of the will of God as being this painless thing. And I think there is a common notion in Christianity today that if you're in the will of God, it's this peaceful, perfect place where everything will be okay. So I guess it's from that from those sentiments that you're saying, if Abraham is obeying God, it can never, it could never have traumatized Isaac. So let me say here also that if you're in the will of God, I do think that there are examples where you can be in the will of God and it can create uh, trauma and it can create conflict and it can create agony. So my first reference here to to answer that point would be Matthew chapter 10, verse 35. And Jesus speaking in Matthew 10, verse 35 says, For I have come to turn a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. So in that text, Jesus is saying, if you follow the will of God, if you, if you follow me, if you, if you come with me in, in, and pursue the things of my kingdom, it's going to cause conflicts in your relationship. So I think that's a good example from Scripture that following the will of God doesn't mean that 
everything is going to be happy and everything is going to work out uh, peacefully. Following the will of God often brings with it agony and heartache. And there are many people even in those days who they were they 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 were shunned by their family as a result of following in God's will. So Sharon and I would say that it is quite possible that Abraham could be doing the will of God, but it could still have negative consequences on on Isaac. I also want to think of this or to answer this question from the standpoint of current day issues. For example, children of missionaries, uh, people who missionaries or people that felt the call of God to go to foreign countries to to sacrifice the luxuries of the North American uh, culture, to live in poverty and to work among poor people in doing God's will. These these missionaries are doing the will of God, but Sharon, I see in my practice everyday children of missionaries who have returned to Canada and they feel lost. They feel as if they don't have a culture because they they cannot identify with the culture from these African nations that they grew up in. And they have returned to Canada and they cannot identify with the Canadian culture either. And many of these children of missionaries, they feel out of place. And some of them hold feelings of bitterness against their parents for, for the sacrifices that they have made. So I think this is a, another example of how doing God's will can bring pain to those you love. So again, Sharon, thank you very much for your comment, but I, I, I think that there are biblical grounds on which we can stand in saying that Abraham could have been following God's will, but nevertheless, Isaac could have been traumatized by what happened. How couldn't he have been traumatized? Just think of any child in that situation where they think they're about to die. I think sometimes we look at these biblical uh, characters and we make them into superhuman, you know, as if they as if they have no emotions at all. But I think any boy in that situation would be terrified. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Life Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been speaking on the topic, Isaac the Traumatized Son, Part 3, Questions and Answers, where Michael has been answering questions asked by the listeners of the first two shows. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Back to Michael. So let's go to the next uh, question or comment. The next uh, comment is from Anna. And first of all, thank you, Anna, for your, your comment. Anna says, Michael, I must say that I found your comments that Isaac was most likely kicking and screaming as he was tied up by his father to be a bit of a stretch in trying to sell the idea that Isaac was traumatized. Also, Isaac was calm, knowing that his father was a man of God that wouldn't do anything that would harm him. 
Again, thank you, Anna, so much for this comment and this question. And there were other comments that were similar to this. So this is a typical comment that we got. I just chose this. I chose this one because I think it reflected a number of the others. So let me break down uh, my answer into two sections. So first, I want to respond to your first comment that. Isaac was calm, knowing that his father was a man of God that would do nothing, what that wouldn't do anything to harm him. Well, uh, Anna, as we read the story, we got the feeling that even Abraham didn't know how this story was going to play out. He thought he was going to be killing his son. He thought that he was being he was going to be obedient to God. So he was stopped by an angel at the last moment when his hand was already in the motion of about to, about to take the life of his son. And we are told that in verse 10 of Genesis chapter 22. So I, I, I would find it very I find it very hard to believe that his son Isaac would know that his father would not harm him. And if that's the case, why then would he need to tie up his son on the altar? So I think the evidence from the scripture suggests that there was more going on here than just uh, blind obedience where there was no emotion and you know, Isaac knew that his father would not harm him. Isaac had to be tied up, and that's why I think he had to be restrained, because given uh, without the ropes, no human being would voluntarily stay on an altar where there is going to be where they know that it's been prepared for fire and where they they, they see someone with a knife that he was that what that would take their life because a Isaac was old enough to understand the implication that he was about to be the the sacrificial lamb and the second point about him kicking and screaming as he was tied up when you say that it was a bit of a stretch that he would be kicking and screaming. So in other words, I guess what you're saying by that is that you think that Isaac would have been just willingly lying there on the altar with the fire, you know, with the wood prepared, with fire around him, and he would just be there, you know, singing a song or just just so relaxed because he, he trusted his father. I would say that Isaac was not a willing participant, as you describe him, Anna. I would say that if Isaac is a human being like the rest of us, then he would be terrified. They, he had to be tied up. So it, it's also uh, interesting to note that even Jesus himself, who who trusted his father, who knew that his his father would only do what's best for him when he was faced as a grown man 
when he was faced with the agony of the cross and knew what was about to happen to him. Matthew 26 verse 39 tells us that Jesus fell to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, make this cup pass from me. So Jesus, a grown man, was terrified by the prospect of the cross. So I find it very hard to believe that a child who is old enough to understand that he was about to be slain on an altar would do so without any emotion at all, just trusting in his father and not being terrified. If Jesus was was terrified to the point where he's praying for God to find some other way, then I think Isaac most likely would have been terrified as as well. And I think to to see Isaac as this, you know, this willing participant who has no emotion is to take the humanity out of the text. As Soren Kierkegaard says that we need to to see this these texts through the eyes of the, 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 the players in the story. We need to see through the eyes of Abraham. Abraham was probably traumatized as well to 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 have come to this point where he was about to kill his where he was about to kill his son. So I also want to say that when we think about Jesus going to the cross, we tend to 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 take the humanity out of it, but Jesus was very much human and, and we are told in Luke twenty two verse forty four 43 to 45, and I'll read those scriptures because there's a point I'm making here, and, and I'll get to it. But the scripture reads, Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And in his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became as drops of blood falling to the ground. When Jesus rose from prayer and returned to the disciples, he found them sleeping exhausted from sorrow. So here we have a picture of what is taking place with Jesus when he was faced with the cross. And we are told that the the disciples were exhausted from sorrow. And we are told that Jesus is praying to the point where his sweats, his sweat was like drops of blood. And I think that's a good indication that Jesus himself was terrified of the cross. So Jesus, a grown man, was terrified. And we know this because the condition where someone's sweat turns to blood is actually a medical condition. There, There is a condition that is known as hematohydrosis. And in a journal the Indian Journal of Dermatology, there actually recorded incidents of people whose sweat becomes blood. And they say that this condition usually happens in extreme stress, such as soldiers whose sweat turns to blood before battle. And so Jesus is going to the cross and his sweat is turning into drops of blood because he realized the implication of what was about to to happen to him. So this condition, uh, hematohydrosis, we are told, is a condition in which the capillary blood vessels that feed the sweat glands rupture, causing them to exude blood. 
and it it usually occurs they said on the condition according to the journal it, it happens on the conditions of extreme physical or emotional stress so we can see from this text that that Jesus was under extreme stress. There is also records of this happening in in cases where people had acute fear, such as condemned men who are about to suffer execution. There are recorded incidents that are recorded in this journal of men who are in those situations where their sweat is becoming like drops of blood. So if Jesus was terrified, Anna, to the point where his sweat were as drops of blood, he suffered from this medical condition, I think it is very far-fetched for us to think that Isaac would just be there on the altar relaxing because he trusts so much in his father. God trusts, Jesus trusts his father, God, but he was still in a human body. And he was terrified. He had acute fear. He had hematohydrosis as a result of his fear. So I wish I had more time to go into more things today, but I see that we're quickly out of time, so we have to stop here for today. So I hope you found these answers satisfactory, and I tried to back them up with biblical uh, passages as well, as well as medical literature, and I even referred to some some philosophy as well with Soren Kierkegaard. So I hope you found this show interesting. So I want to remind you that Elim is a not-for-profit organization. We depend on your your donation to stay on the air, please consider donating to us at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Elim Counseling, or you can go to our website at Elim Counseling Ministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. On our YouTube channel, there is over 230 episodes that you can listen to on a variety of topics. So until next time, This is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. 